It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think you're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Today, we're going to talk about what's going on with Andy Dalton, because uh, it turns out nothing is going on with Andy Dalton. And I think that the, well, so Jeff Hobson thinks that the most likely outcome is that he is either kept until he's traded or just kept. He thinks that those are more likely than him being straight released, he wrote in his mailbag. So we'll talk about that possibility that I can't possibly see in reality. And then we'll get into a mock draft Monday. Now that the Bengals have gone through a week of free agency, they've made some moves. We have a much clearer idea of what the Bengals needs will be going into the draft. But first let's talk about Andy Dalton and some news about what we should expect for the NFL draft as far as dates and locations. Let's get the news about the NFL draft out of the way first, because this is very simple. Reports are that the NFL draft will no longer be going on in Vegas. There will be no fan component. It will all be done remotely with some cameras going to various team headquarters when their picks are made. I'll expect it at this point, but uh, I think because of the Bengals owning the number one pick, we had a lot of fans that were ready to go. I think you know, over the last few weeks, we realized that probably wasn't going to be the same type of vacation, if at all, if it was going to happen. And now it seems we have to prepare for an all online, digital or TV produced NFL draft. And that's OK with me. Yeah, as long as the dates don't move too dramatically, I think it's fine. I think owners and the NFL teams are probably less happy about this than players are, just like the owners did not want free agency to open The players did. The players wanted to make sure they were going to get their money. The owners thinking, well, we can't get medicals done. We can't meet with these guys in person and have a conversation. So the NFL personnel side, I wouldn't be surprised if they want the draft to be pushed. But the NFL and their, I'm assuming, advertising partners, probably pretty interested in keeping this event on because it's such a big event for the NFL. And the other thing is, if you push it too far... How much are we delaying the season at this point, which really 
isn't contingent on the draft. It's going to be contingent upon what's happening in the world. But it can't get too close into training camp or you'll just run out of time. And I wonder if that's part of it, right? Let's get this done before maybe everything gets too bad. If you look at some of these projections, it may be better to get it done now and then before it gets too bad in the next two or three months. There might be some contingency planning for the 2021 season, certainly for the 2020 season at this point. So let's shift gears. That is all up in the air based on things totally outside of everyone's control. Andy Dalton, on the other hand, may have been somewhat within the Bengals' control as instead of going to the Bears for their late fourth-round pick, they made a deal, they being the Bears, with the Jacksonville Jaguars for Nick Foles, which was very surprising to me. But we've talked about that one. Jacksonville eating an $18 million dead cap hit. The Bears taking on a reasonable contract, honestly, after that bonus was taken care of. But for the Bengals, with reports that Andy Dalton is not in the plans for the Patriots, are pretty well out of suitors to get a decent pick in return for Andy Dalton in a trade. Yeah, this whole time we were thinking it's got to be Chicago, right? And part of it is Andy Dalton's cheap deal uh, in relative to some of these free agent signings that we saw at quarterback, and then Bill Lazor being the coordinator for Andy Dalton in the past. But as we see, uh, Jacksonville eats some of that money for Nick Foles, and Bill Lazor has been his quarterback's coach in the past in Philadelphia, and there's another connection there, and they go that route. And I wonder if the Bengals did turn on that fourth-round pick, if they held out for something more, and if the Patriots are just waiting until the Bengals may just release Andy Dalton. Well, there's also Cam Newton out there. It might be that, that Nagy and Lazor had a preference for Nick Foles. I mean, to his credit, he was a Super Bowl MVP. He won a Super Bowl. After taking care of the signing bonus, the contract is actually very similar to Andy Dalton's. So it wouldn't be surprising if that was a preference. Maybe it was if we don't get this worked out for Nick Foles, then we'll talk about the fourth round pick with the Bengals because Nick Foles has a pedigree. He won a Super Bowl. He had familiarity with both the head coach and the offensive coordinators. So it wouldn't be too terribly surprising to me if the Bears just had that preference straight up. But now the speculation is, what do the Bengals do with Dalton? Jeff Hobson of Bengals.com says that he would be surprised if they outright release him, which to me, it should be the most likely outcome at this point. But he thinks they would rather keep him until a trade partner surfaces or just keep him on maybe a restructured deal. I just struggle to see those outcomes. Yeah, they can release him without a cap hit. Uh, that also means they wouldn't get a compensatory pick. They'd walk away with nothing from Andy Dalton. Uh, and I wonder because Jeff Hobson did write previously when the Bengals were open to trading Andy Dalton, or at least stating they would, that they would like to move Dalton before Joe Burrow ever gets into Cincinnati. And so I kind of think that they'd rather not have these guys cross, pa- cross paths and just release them before the draft. And it's a real shame because we've all been sitting, we've been sitting here the whole time saying, Man, they need more picks. And Mm -hmm. a fourth-round pick, given the late fourth-round pick less valuable, but it still gives you some flexibility to trade up, was really hoping for a late third-round pick, early fourth-round pick. Of course, that doesn't work out. And now, instead, unless the Bengals hold on to him for a whole year, then 
bank on somebody paying him after a year on the bench, that's not a very good plan. You might get a fifth round compensatory pick. And that's in that 2022, point. right? I mean, because that's a year later. Man, I can't even think that far ahead. That's crazy. Yeah, that's that's it's a bad way to um, go about this. I mean, and maybe they didn't get any offers, right? So the cynic in me says they didn't take that fourth round pick just because we know what happened with McCarron. But uh, the other side is maybe just no one was interested, right? I mean, it is we have critiqued Andy Dalton for his flaws enough to realize that maybe no one was interested in giving up a pick for him. And I think we've heard some suggestion that that might be the case. The only team that we know engaged the Bengals in trade talks by reports were the Bears. We assumed that Tampa would be in on it if they didn't get Brady, but they did get Brady. We assumed that Bill Belichick really liked Dalton because that's what we heard coming out of Indianapolis, but didn't turn out to be the reality of things. And so here we are going into the draft with a 177 million dollar quarterback on the roster who's not going to play who will not be on the final 53 55 man roster and they've got to figure out what are they doing with that money because if my projections are right they're like five or six million under the cap right now so that really is going to lock them up a little bit in the short term and then you get to the draft you don't have the picks there has to be a plan to come together here and i know they want to do right by dalton but they also have to do right by the team but we have some free agent signings, Joe, and it is Mock Draft Monday. So we have a very clear idea of what these needs are, and we're not getting a pick for Dalton. Doesn't look like Dre Kirkpatrick's getting traded or getting released. So with that in mind, let's head into Mock Draft Monday here in just a minute. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It's Mock Draft Monday, and again, we're hitting another milestone in the draft process. Before it was, well, end of the season, here's our mock drafts. Look very different than they are today. Then you get underclassmen that declare mid-January. It rounds out that board and rounds out our mock drafts. Then you have the Senior Bowl. It gives us another host of players we want in the mid-rounds, typically. Denzel Mims, that's where we fell in love with that guy. Uh, then you got the Combine, give you a whole slew of new players to look at and, and admire, and especially in the mid-rounds. And then now you have free agency, and that shakes up all the needs from everyone. Before we could draft and say, well, our op- our needs are kind of open. We can kind of, you know, if you've got eight needs and you've got six picks, you really aren't battling any type of um, objectives there and, and, and obstacles, if you will. Uh, now, with the Bengals maybe eliminating a couple or at least signing some guys in free agency and being up against the cap because they haven't released Drake Kirkpatrick or Andy Dalton, doesn't probably means they're not going to get any more guys in here, any big names. They could, they can get close. But as we sit here today, doing this mock draft today and taking the roster as it is, um, they have very acute needs, very, very specific needs that they need to target and hit. But it goes against everything we typically preach of draft good players over needs. Jake, we can get into some serious situations if we don't get a linebacker or a guard. Yeah, it wouldn't be the first preference if things were open but you just 
They have one NFL linebacker on the roster, generously speaking. Mm. One. He was a rookie last year. He could be pretty good, Jermaine Pratt. We're hopeful for him, right? But if we're here, and we are, we're on the clock right now in the second round. As usual, we pick Joe Burrow in the first round and we skip everything. And, you know, we miss on Kenneth Murray. He goes 29. We miss on Denzel Mims and Jalen Rager. They go 30-31. Usually at this point, we've been talking about cornerbacks. We've been talking about safeties. We've been talking about wide receivers. Mm -hmm. Today, cornerback is not something that I think they can afford to pick at 33. Maybe if they trade back, then you can consider it. We didn't get any offers to move back this time. So we're not really looking like AJ Epinesa is here, but they've just spent a huge amount of money on DJ reader. Uh, We could consider cornerbacks, AJ Terrell, for example. Well, they just spent a boatload of money on Trey Wayne. So instead the very obvious discussion that actually pretty well fits value and need is Zach Vaughn and Cesar Ruiz. I agree completely. I, these are the two I'm looking at instantly. They're not far from the top of the board. So the top of the board sits as one we're using. We're using Matt Miller of Bleacher Report. We got Yutur Gross Matos, AJ Epinesa, Clyde Edwards Alaire, who he has really high volume. But I, I love Edwards Alaire, so I don't have a problem with it. So once we get to matching need up, the next guy is Cesar Ruiz, who is a center at Michigan, but could very well play guard. And hey, it's not like the Bengals have a cornerstone player at center. I know they've They've extended Trey Hopkins, but Hopkins could very well just play guard as well. You know, and maybe Ruiz is a right guard for now, and then you kick him inside in the future. But what this does is help you protect Joe Burrow if you want to go that way. And then just a couple of spots below that is Zach Bond, who I think fills maybe a couple needs of being an edge guy. Plus, I think he could actually do some linebacker things. Uh, very similar to me to Kyle Van Noy. I don't think he's T.J. Watt. Some people have, have, have said that as an edge guy. I don't think he's that type of pass rusher. I think he's a little more um, of a natural linebacker that can rush and blitz. So I think it comes down to those two, and I don't know who to pick, Jake. I am leaning towards Zach Vaughn here because of his versatility, because of his ability to rush the passer. This isn't just an off-ball linebacker, although he can do that, I think. This is the guy that Marvin Lewis was looking for for Mm -hmm. what felt like his entire career in Cincinnati. They kept drafting guys to be that strong side linebacker who could blitz, but they kept getting guys that couldn't cover. But Zach Bond has the athleticism that he should be able to do so. I will just say he's not going to be a nickel linebacker for maybe two years, though, is the only thing, because he spent his career rushing in those situations i think he can do it but he's got a ways to go and plus he's a good rusher you'd want to send him anyways where i look at ruiz and i see some shades of james daniels at iowa just because he's so athletic that i'm like all right you're actually getting a guy in there that can offer like a different type of um athlete in in the interior offensive line that really they really don't have but would you rather have that then and and just wait on linebacker and then maybe you're taking linebacker in the third and fourth round maybe you could potentially yeah right because if you take bond you may still i mean wouldn't you still take a akeem davis gaither or willie gay even or or, you know someone like that because bond could be an edge guy for you and that's not an issue 
that's just added bonus. When they want to go multiple, they kind of made it very clear between their their three four looks, their five two looks, and their nickel packages last year. If you look at the the Ravens games twice a year, and they basically stayed in their three four look all day and couldn't get into a nickel and couldn't get a pass rush when Jackson did go to throw, and then have enough athletes out there to chase him. Zach Bond kind of fixes that because you can put him out there mm-hmm. as a three four outside linebacker, and then if you want to go into nickel, you can still figure out a way to keep him on the field, and he's athletic enough to not tackle Lamar Jackson, but at least make it harder on him. So here's here's how you convince me to go Cesar Ruiz here though, is you say you know what you can come back and get a safety that can be a versatile piece later on. We've done that before. We've we've yeah. gone Jimmy Chin. We've gone Jeremy yep. Jeremy Chin. Sorry, and we've gone Kyle Duggar. Mm-hmm. those guys can do that role. In this case, we miss out on Xavier McKinney by five picks. He goes right before Kenneth Murray in the first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grant Delpit goes a little bit earlier this time. So those guys aren't options here, but you can talk me into Cesar Ruiz and say, we'll come back and we'll draft Malik Harrison. Or, you know, there's even Josh Uchi, who we haven't talked about since the Senior Bowl, who I know. could be a very similar player. To Zach Bond. So I think I've just talked myself into Cesar Ruiz, but that just might be because that's the last case I've made. I would say that you could get Lloyd Cushenberry at 65 and then miss him. Right. Maybe you go Bond now and then Cushenberry afterwards. And, you know, if so what would you rather have? Let's say these are the two positions you end up taking. Would you rather have Cesar Ruiz and Josh Uchi? So you go Michigan, Michigan. Or would you rather go Zach Bond and Lloyd Cushenberry? Uh, those, those are pretty much the same. I know. It's tough. The thing is, if you miss on Cushenberry, then you have to really like, you know, like Robert Hunt or Damian Lewis. Yeah. Or or one of these others. I know you like Ezra Cleveland. You probably pick Ezra Cleveland here. I've seen him mock to the Bengals in a few mock drafts around the internet in the second round lately, actually. I, I think Ezra Cleveland is a future left tackle, starting left tackle, and Bengals may not need that, but yeah, right tackle. The only thing is, right, this is an issue. He's ranked 97th on this board for our listeners. Um, that's a hard part of trying to draft a guy that at 33, even though I think that's where he goes in that range. It's where he's been mocked lately. So I think we, we haven't picked offensive line here at least interior offensive line in a long time. So let's see what happens. Let's try to go Cesar Ruiz here. Okay. And see what position we get ourselves into. Because this is something that happens in the Bengals draft room too, is they're going to go through these different scenarios and say, okay, what happens if we do this? And they're going to run through that scenario like 30 times and see where they might be sitting in the third round. So Zach Bond goes at 2-9 a few picks later. Is there anybody else? Oh, Josh Uchi's gone 2-16. So we're, we're out of luck in that regard. But Malik Harrison's still available. He just needs to make it five, seven more picks. Let's see if he does. Really quickly on Cesar Ruiz, he's 6'3", 307, 33 and an eighth inch arms, um, 84th percentile in his 40-yard dash, which is a uh, 508. His vertical jump, 93 percentile. Broad jump, 94 percentile. His shuttle is 67 percentile. Bench press, 72. So he is a plus to elite athlete. Um, I even think his RES is an elite um, range. But so getting Cesar Ruiz gives us an, an elite interior offensive lineman in terms of athleticism. Yeah, and I think that that's great because they need that, right? And he has yeah. good tape to back up the athleticism. So now in the third round, we, we still badly need a linebacker. And at the top of the board is Kyle Duggar. This is the top of Matt Miller's board. He's 44th 
on Matt mm-hmm. Miller's board. We're picking 65 here, of course. Jordan Brooks, 53rd on Matt Miller's board. I think Matt Miller and McShay, Todd McShay, are the, no, Mel Kuyper is the one that likes Jordan yep. Brooks. Those They're two are the highest on Jordan Brooks, I think, of anybody. But Malik Harrison is here. He's 64th on the big board. Logan Wilson from Wyoming is here. He's I like Logan Wilson. On this big board. So those are the guys that I'm looking at right away. And we see that we also could have gotten Cushenberry, right? Mm-hmm. But we can pick now between Malik Harrison, Kyle Duggar, Jeremy Chin, uh, and Logan Wilson. I find it very hard to pass on Jeremy Chin. Yeah. I do because I think he can do everything that like Isaiah Simmons is going, he went top 10 in this draft, right? 12 or maybe. Um, and for me, I think he can do all of those things. Plus play a little bit more safety and play in the box and give you more versatility and give you a defensive playmaker. And I know it doesn't fill exactly an immediate need, but I would kick Sean Williams down to linebacker more. And maybe like, if you could have gone Zach Bond and Jeremy Chin, like think about this for draft day. 33, they go Zach Bond, and I say he's not going to be able to play in nickel right away. And then you get Jeremy Chin right after, and either Chin or Sean Williams replaces him as the other inside linebacker in nickel because you can come back and do that. That's, I mean, I'd walk away from this defense and go, okay, they figured it out in terms of linebacker and edge rusher, got more pass rush ability, got more versatile, got more athletic. I mean, like, in real life, that I would be like, okay, great job by them. Um, we passed on linebacker there. So now I kind of look at here like, man, we've been saying if Malik Harrison's there at 65, just slam dunk it and let's get out of here. But I find it very hard to pass on Chin. I watched some Chin. I did a little stream on Thursday night or Friday night or something, and I was playing some game. And, and the people that were watching the stream didn't know what the game was. This Path of Exile. Nobody that listens to this to this podcast seems to know what that game is. So like, are you ever going to stream another game? I'm like, man, what do you want to see? They're like, Oh, let's see you play Madden with Joe (laughs) and they don't have cross platform. So we can't do that. But I got Madden and I played a little bit of that today, but where was I going with this? We did, we did, uh, we, people were like, Oh, let's watch some film. So I put on Jeremy chin and I want to know what game it is that I'm supposed to watch to come away impressed with Jeremy Chen because he didn't play anybody. So the things that he does do well, I'm thinking, yeah, if you're going to be a second to third round NFL prospect, you should be crushing ball state or whoever the hell you're playing. Youngstown state. It wasn't until the senior bowl that I was like, Oh, okay. Because he still looked like a Supreme athlete was still making plays on the ball was shutting down running backs in coverage, tight ends in coverage. And I'm just like, yeah, it, it, he is miscast in that Division II small school. You know, he's he needs to be up here with the big boys, and he handled it completely, and, and he did. Um, but again, if you want to make an argument for a linebacker, I am all for it. I just wish, like for me, my favorite linebacker of the next group, if you go into round three and after, is Akeem Davis Gaither. Maybe I just like these small school guys. What is wrong with me? But I also like Logan Wilson, and I'm, I like Malik Harrison, but um, – I do think they're, this is a much better third-round linebacker group than it was last year when it was, now that we know in hindsight, like Blake Cashman and them going in the fifth round. Mm-hmm. It was really just Jermaine Pratt. So what are you doing here? What do you want to do? I convinced uh, you on Cesar Ruiz. I convinced myself on Cesar Ruiz. Oh, okay. <laughs> you got me to think about it and make an argument for it, and I made a very good argument for it. Who's your argument here, then? I think there's a really easy argument for Jeremy Chen, especially if you want to talk about concerns with Malik Harrison's solo market, solo tackle market share. 
yeah. The, the, what Jake uh, is talking about here is production scores for him are very low. Uh, he goes a lot of games without making much of an impact at all, but besides some wrap-up tackles five to eight yards down the field. And because of it, that suggests that's exactly what he probably will be in the NFL, which is just a complimentary linebacker. Not your number one, but maybe that's Jermaine Pratt. But are you willing, to, with such a need, are you filling that need with a guy who is just a solid linebacker and not a great linebacker prospect? A lot of upside with Malik Harrison, just he doesn't have the productivity to go with the athleticism, to go with the flashes on tape to make you feel mm-hmm. like he is a sure, like a quote unquote sure thing. But again, we're here in the third round at this point. So this is right. why he's here in the third round. For best case scenario for me, I think he could be Bernardrick McKinney, who is a Texans linebacker. Not somebody, right. It would be great because we need a Bernardrick McKinney right now. But I think if a lot of fans were listening to this, they'd probably think of him the same way. They did of DJ Reader. We know how good DJ Reader was, but a lot of a lot of people were like, "Who?" when they signed him. Yeah. Um, and I think that people would feel that way with a Bernardrick McKinney. And I'm here to say that that wouldn't be a bad pick. I think we go Malik Harrison. Okay. And we'll see where we end up in the fourth round. So at three rounds in, you've got your quarterback. You've got an offensive lineman that we feel really good about as a year one starter in Cesar Ruiz. That is not a pick I really see the Bengals making because, again, I think they feel much better about their offensive line than they should and than we do. And then Malik Harrison in the third round. We'll finish up two more rounds here in just a minute. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Kicking off the fourth round, and now that we have the compensatory picks added in here, man, it seems like a run seems to be happening right before the fourth round pick. I did a couple mock drafts over the weekend, too. When you get to the fourth round, it gets tight. Someone asked me why I took a fourth round running back in a mock over the weekend, and it's because I felt like it was a good player. As we sit here right now, the best player on the board is Zach Moss running back out of Utah. Does it mean we're going to take him? No. Uh, but you see how it kind of doesn't fall our way with Jake and I were just looking at the board and because we had to go interior offensive line at round two, we didn't have to, but seven receivers go in the first round. We didn't take a receiver there. And then we wanted to take a linebacker in round three after not taking one in round at round two. What it does is mean really the run on receiver has happened. And now the strength of that class has petered out into being average. You're going to take a lot of guys that aren't very quick. In my opinion, uh, maybe, Ball skill guys. Guys, if I'm going to take one for the Bengals at this point, it needs to be the best player available or it needs to be someone that's really fast or really quick. I don't want another Auden Tate and guys like that. You know what I mean, Jake? Um, I could go with Colin Johnson from Texas at wide receiver, but I feel like he's Auden Tate at his best. So I don't want that. Uh, I have that. So as we sit here today, I think the gap between linebacker in round three and linebacker in round four is not that big. Malik Harrison or Troy Dye, Akeem Davis-Gaither in the fourth, um, Logan Wilson in, in the third round, or Troy Dye in the fourth. I mean, I'm willing to wait another round if that's the case. If that means getting a receiver or um, a defensive lineman or a corner in round three. So as we sit here now, we've already made our picks. It's been Burrow, Cesar Ruiz, Malik Harrison. We still would like to get an offensive playmaker 
And I think Jake and I are on the same page here. Jake, I'm down with the number two guy on this board. Yeah, we're looking at some tight ends, right? There's no dynamic tight end on this roster right now. They keep talking about how, who, who is the guy? Drew Sample is going <laughs> to, I forgot his name. Like Drew Sample is going to get more playing time this year. They're pretty excited about him. And mm-hmm. I'll believe it when I see it with him. And tight ends do take time sometimes. And he was hurt in his defense. But I'm not excited about Drew Sample right now. So if I'm looking at the guys available, I am excited about Adam Troutman. And if you mm-hmm. want to talk about a real mismatch, split out kind of tight end, how about Bryson Hopkins from Purdue? This is a guy we haven't talked about yet. But because he's mostly a wide receiver, he's a big mismatch wide receiver. But that sounds fun. I mean, you could say the same thing for Hunter Bryant. He's another guy who is yeah. an excellent receiving tight end. So you have Hopkins and Hunter Bryant as as receiving types. And then you got Harrison Bryant and Adam Troutman. And I'm sure Josiah DeGara and, and Thaddeus Moss are also still there if you want the more inline type. And Albert O from Missouri is yeah. a, a split-out guy too. So, yeah, you've got options here. And I, it, it's a fun tight end class for that perspective because, like, everyone's still here in round four. <laughs> and I could see a lot of these guys going round two. And it's just a weird class where there really isn't that top-end guy or they're very either inline or split-out wide and they don't do the other one. Uh, I love Adam Troutman. I think he's big, fast, strong. I think he runs really good routes, has good hands, and is a bit of a nut. Um, I would take him. But, again, I keep mentioning small school guys, and I don't mean to be doing this, but the hit rate on small school guys is significantly lower than going with D1 players. And so that's the only thing that gives me pause because I think Bryson Hopkins would be a great replacement for what Tyler Eifert was the last couple of years. He's not first-round Tyler Eifert replacement. He's what Eifert was, which was a big slot receiver. And Bengals could use that with Uzama being more of an a wide tight end that can do everything, but he's not really going to split out and run routes. And then Sample being your wide tight end that actually is going to be a blocker. I don't have any problem if tight ends look better than receiver in round four, if that's the direction they go. And the reason for that is that none of these tight ends ran particularly well at the Combine. So we're looking at guys that have graded extremely well for PFF, Adam Troutman, Hunter Bryant, uh, Harrison Bryant, all grading really well, but none of them ran all that well. So that gives you some pause. You, you then look at linebackers that are still available. Maybe you want to double dip and, and take a gamble on Troy Dye playing up to his physical tools. Or, or maybe you want to talk about Akeem Davis Gaither here. Maybe they want to sure. take a risk on Natani Muti, who they really liked at the Combine, if, if he's still there in the fourth round. But if you've already taken an interior offensive lineman, I can't see double-dipping there in this draft class. Then the only other thing is, well, maybe we do talk about running back Zach Moss. And I'd be all for it. And the thing is why I want to get another running back. Someone asked me this because I, I made the case that People, we keep trying to replace Giovanni Bernard, whether that's Mark Walton, whether that's Travion Williams. But when I think they need to replace Joe Mixon, and allow me to explain, I think Mixon needs to replace Giovanni Bernard and be on the field every down, be on the field in third downs, be on the field when they're in shotgun, be in the field when they're down 10 points, right? How many times have we seen the Bengals down and Mixon sitting on the bench in yeah. the fourth quarter all, all the way off on the side of the field because he's not involved at all because it's Geo? We need that to be Joe Mixon. We need Joe Mixon's number of route runs to go up. He's lagging way behind everybody else in his draft class, despite being coming out as one of the better route runners and pass catchers at running back. I want Mixon on the field for that. More carries, I mean, more catches 
less carries for Joe Mixon going forward. And if that means getting a running back that can carry the ball a little bit and do a little bit because I, I in the passing game, because I think that's where this offense is heading. As soon as you draft Joe Burrow, um, Zach Moss could do both of those things. So where are we going here, Joe? Are we taking a tight end that didn't perform athletically the way we wanted but has really good production? Or are we taking a, a non-need, potentially a value in Zach Moss? Or are we going yeah. to double-dip at linebacker? And I don't – see, this is the, the range you get into because the Bengals did not – I mean, we, we've we filled the needs, right? We, we, we didn't have a choice. We filled the needs that, that, that they didn't fill in free agency. Um, but you could come back and say corner is still a need. You could come back and say you can still take a safety. I don't know, Jake. I'm sitting here in the fourth round. I don't like the options. This would be a situation where if someone offered something, I'd be like, trade back, but they didn't. I'm going to defer to you. What do you want? I want Zach Moss. Do it. We're going to take Zach Moss here. He is one of PFF's favorite running backs in this whole class, which is kind of cool. He as Joe mentioned, has some receiving ability. And he was a really good running back. I mean, in real life, if Jeremy Chen is actually still available in the fourth round, I think that that is easily the pick. The reason that we don't go that direction is because I don't think either of us think that he will be a possibility in the fourth round of the draft. So we see a little bit of a run on tight ends go right after we pick. There goes Jeremy Chen. And there goes Troy Dye. We're going to be back on the clock in the fifth round, and we're probably going to be looking at Akeem Davis-Gaither. I, I <laughs> think that that's the way this is looking. Or Josiah DeGara, because I think he, the way he tested, and he was also pretty productive, he graded pretty well, I think that DeGara would be a very interesting fifth-round target. So far, we've been right at the top of the board, whether that's Burrow being number one or two, depending on the board you look at. And then Cesar Ruiz was number two on our board um, when we got there. Malik Harrison, I think, was number four on the board when we were on the clock there. Zach Moss was number one on the board when we get there. And as we show up right here, number one and number two on the board are also linebackers, Jacob Phillips at LSU, and Akeem Davis-Gaither is the number two guy. And you've mentioned Josiah Degara also. He's number four on the board. So we're still sticking pretty close to the best available players and not deviating too far from that, which is ideal while also attacking needs. That's how you marry the two. And I think we're in a situation here where you can go with Akeem Davis-Gaither or Josiah Degara. And just for the sake of not double-dipping at linebacker, which is something I fully believe the Bengals could do, I want to pick Josiah Degara here because I think he's a real sleeper. And I picked him in my Madden draft class today, and he made some real hero ball catches in the middle of the field. So I'm a little biased right now. But he tested really well. Do you have his athletic testing by chance? Yeah, I do. His 40 was a 472, which puts him in the 30, I mean, 63rd percentile. Um, vertical jump puts him in the 77th percentile. Uh, broad jump, 54. Cone, 52. Shuttle, 52. Bench, 87. The only thing is he's just small. You know, he's 6'2", 242 with 31-inch arms and 9-inch hands. All of that is, <laughs> I can't even tell the numbers because they're all bunched together. Under 10 percentile for size at tight end. He'd be a move guy. Um Maybe you get a Delaney Walker out of that, right? Because that's typically how those guys look. I take back he tested really well. I thought he tested like 70th plus at everything, but those were a lot of 50th percentiles that you just rattled off. Yeah, that's right. Uh, 50 for everything other than vertical and 40, which are 60 and 70 percentile. Hmm. Well, I think I take it back then. I think think I'm off him after hearing that. And then I am looking at double-dipping a linebacker, and I think I would just go ahead and take Akeem Davis-Gaither here. 
and I've got no problem with it because I think Keem Davis Gaither is really, really good. Athletic guy, best coverage guy that we've drafted. He'd be he'd playing nickel over Malik Harrison, in my opinion. And he can also help pass rush a little bit. He did that uh, 190 times, I believe, last year. So you can get some versatility out of Davis Gaither. I still have some serious concerns about Davis Gaither against NFL size, speed, and strength. I think he has the speed to hang with it, but he doesn't have the arm length. I think that he's going to have blockers get into his body much more easily than he did at the college level. So I think that you've got two sub package, essentially linebackers here in Malik Harrison, who's playing your first, second down and Akeem Davis Gaither who's coming out in your third downs or in your nickel package. And you're going to want to protect Davis Gaither in the running game. He's only going to play on the weak side. He's he's got, they're going to try to keep people off him. And I think, you know, that's why you have a guy like DJ reader. Yeah, for sure. And as we're not going to do the sixth round pick, but before it went away, Joe Reed and James Proch, both slot guys, two different Proch is a little more um, juice to him while Joe Reed's more of the Debo Samuel type, really good after the catch. I think he averaged 8.8 yards per catch just because they used him like a running back so often. And he's a great kick returner. I'd probably go back to receiver. Not that we did make that pick, but probably go to receiver in the sixth round. I think you would have to because we haven't addressed that at all. The only playmaker we've got here is Zach Moss, who is he actually getting on the field if he's a fourth down running back? The only way he does is if they move on from Geo, right? right. And and he is truly as good as PFF thinks he is. I think he might. No, he's not their top running back, but let's check real quick to get he's, this right. And he's 5'9", 223. So, like I said, if you get mixing on the passing downs, that's how you get a playmaker and more out there more often. And maybe Zach Moss takes some of those uh, grinding carries that Mixon's been doing. So, Zach Moss is actually PFF's second highest ranked running back in the draft class, but he was their first high. He was the highest graded running mm. back in college football for them in 2019. Talks about. In the, in the quick two-liner scouting report, one of the most powerful lower halves in the draft class. Yeah. Good at bouncing off tackles, but he does have receiving ability as well. Yeah, he's like Maurice Jones-Drew. Not that short, but just the thickness of him and, and balance. That's why I said he'd be your guy that you can run more with while Mixon's catching passes. 5'10", 222, but that's the only weapon that we get through five rounds yeah. of the draft because we go to protect him with Cesar Ruiz, who we hope slots in at a starting guard. And so, you know, Xavier, Xavier Suofilo doesn't have to start. And then you get two linebackers who both have roles to play, but aren't every down linebackers in year one. So the impact of the free agency is that we go hard at an interior offensive line early. We also take two linebackers um, and we bypass the strengths of wide receiver and corner in this class. Yeah, corner in particular. Wide receiver mm-hmm. we would have picked, but we just there were they all went in the first round, which yep. again could very well happen. Uh, I think that we're still very open to a receiver, but for me, corner is not a priority before day three at this point. The way that they've spent money there, especially if they're keeping Dre, because then there's just no roster spot for him. Because Darius Phillips is going to make the team. There's just no roster spot for another corner. Unless, where do you think the extra two roster spots will go? Yeah. Offensive line, receiver, corner, I'm thinking. Because the other positions have all gotten less and less. I mean, I think you see teams passing it more. So I tend to think receiver will get one. Uh, how many years have we wanted to keep seven or six receivers and the team keeps five, you know, because of the numbers issue? Uh, I think the balance of that would be corner. 
It'll be very interesting to see how that works out, actually. I think it'll be depending on where – it'll be team-specific. It'll be where is the depth, where are the guys that they don't want – because, like, for the Bengals right now, I would say maybe it's defensive tackle if they sure. want to keep Rennell Wren and Ryan Glasgow mm. uh, behind DJ Reader, behind Geno Atkins, um, and, and Rennell – wait, who's the other guy? Josh Tupo. Yeah. Yep. So they're going to have five defensive tackles they might want to keep. There's one. And you're already stocked at corner. Darius Phillips – and the two new guys, and Drake Kirkpatrick, and uh, William Jackson. That's five. Yeah, going to keep six right. corners. And yeah, they usually do keep six and four safeties. Is that that's ten? So there is a spot there if you would like. To I guess there's one. Take a corner. Well, but they but then they they have Troy Brown or Tony and Brown, Winston, Winston Rose. And I mean, Winston they did Rose. sign some guys. They want to see what happens with them. And they brought back Tony McTire for another year. Yep. So and he he played some safety for them, but. Special teams as well. So there's your draft, though. No weapons. That's kind of disappointing. I would like to come out of this with a receiver. There wasn't one that we loved it at 33, though. And that's where I think you would be most likely to make a BPA pick. So give us your grade on Twitter at the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We're, we've got Joe Burrow, Cesar Ruiz, Malik Harrison, Zach Moss, and then Akeem Davis-Gaither through five rounds. Until tomorrow, Bengals fans, when we'll kind of look at this free agency in retrospective and give the devil's advocate and the sunny side, you know, glass half full perspectives on this free agent class for the Bengals. Until then, have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.